Veritas, good morning. This is a pretty cool scene, a lawn filled with people, and uh, we have a lot of room to grow uh, land and space, and so uh, we're excited for what God is doing here, and we're glad that you showed up today to worship with us outside. And uh, as we, as we uh, continue this uh, three-week, we're actually ending our uh, three-week series called um, Who We Are, just introducing you. It's time of introductions. A lot of people are new to the area, new to the church, and we want to just um, introduce you to ourselves. Um, and so the first week we talked about uh, us as a church that is all about loving Jesus, and we talked about how we don't want to be a church that's just excited for Jesus and getting on the hype train of all the good things God is doing, but we want to be a church that is in love with the person of Jesus Christ. The second week, last week, Jeff Dodge talked about how we're a church that loves college students, our heart for the campus, uh, why we came to Iowa City 11 years ago to, uh, to be a church that reaches the next generation with the gospel through our college ministry called the Salt Company. And today is our last week. Um, before next week, we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews. But this week, um, we're talking about how we're a church that is all about making disciples. A disciple is a, a learning follower or an apprentice of Jesus. This is going to be amazing. I say just let him play in the mud. That, that would be awesome. Um, I would love that. Um, but uh, an apprentice, a disciple. This morning, um, I want to just, just talk to you not so much about how to be a disciple or what a disciple is, but but why to be a disciple from the words of Jesus? Why it would be worth it for you to follow Jesus Christ with Veritas Church? That's our heart. That's what we want to be about. And I want to just um, look at this passage in Mark 10. It's a conversation that Jesus had with this guy, a famous guy in the Bible we know as the rich young ruler. And I want to, this guy, uh, we're not going to, you know, Focus so much on what Jesus says to the rich young ruler, but more what he says to his disciples afterwards. But to, to set up the context, he's talking to this guy, rich guy, powerful guy. He wants to go to heaven. He says, I've kept the commands. I'm a good person. And look at what Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse 21. It says, looking at him, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. I just want to ask a question here. Jesus says to this guy, hey, if you really, if you really want to follow me and you really want to get to heaven, there's, there's just one thing you got to do. You got to liquidate all that you have and come follow me. I mean, who in their right mind would think that this is a good idea, a good idea to do this? And Jesus tells him why it would be a good idea. What does Jesus say? He says, then you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus is saying there's an eternal kind of treasure that, that is waiting for those. And if you would just let go of this temporary earthly thing, 
that is, that is keeping you from the Lord and, and the life that is truly life. You could have treasure in heaven, an eternal kind of treasure, not a fleeting one. This is a theme over and over in the teaching of Jesus. When he's talking to crowds of people, he, he'll say things like, hey, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world, but they forfeit their soul? Your life is but a brief moment in history lodged between two vast eternities, and you're going to live for this brief moment? I want to, uh, we got some kids in the crowd, so I want to, I want to, I want to talk to you kids and kind of tell you a story to illustrate what Jesus is saying. So uh, kids, I want you to imagine, um, say if you're like a, let's say a second grade girl, okay, you're, you're, maybe we have some second grade girls in the crowd. I just want to imagine like you go to the rec center with your parents and your four-year-old brother, okay, and, and your four-year-old brother does what he always does at the rec center. He runs right up to the vending machine. You know what the vending machine is? That, that thing with all the candy and pop and, and candy bars and stuff like that, chips. Your four-year-old brother runs over to the vending machine, sticks his hand in there, and his arm gets stuck in the vending machine. Could you imagine this, girls? Your brother is screaming his head off. He is screaming that bloody murder scream like, I'm going to die. And so, you know what your dad does? Your dad runs over to rescue his son. And so he sticks his arm up in the vending machine. And guess what happens to your dad's arm? It gets stuck in the vending machine. So now here you are. Your four-year-old brother is screaming. And now... Your 40-year-old dad is screaming his head off as well. They're both stuck. And so you know what your mom does. Now, you know this, girls. Your mom is just a little bit smarter than your dad. So she doesn't stick her arm up the vending machine. No. You know what she does? She calls the police and the fire department. She gets help. Help is on the way. The fire department comes. And they have to rip open. They've got their saws and they tear open the back of this vending machine. And guess what happens? They are shocked by what they see. Because your brother and your dad's arms are not stuck. They are both hanging on for dear life to a bag of Skittles. They are hanging on to the Skittles, and they refuse to let the candy go. And so the, the uh, fire chief or whoever it is, he says, hey, hey, can, can you just let go of that? And both of them, first, your four-year-old brother looks up at the fire chief with his big brown eyes, and he just shakes his head no. And then the fire chief looks at the, looks at the, the dad, and he says, could you please let go of the Skittles. And the dad looks at him and says, no. I will not let go because I could not imagine my life without the promise of happiness that comes from that little bag of colored sugar balls. I have to have the happiness that would come from that moment of pleasure of eating those Skittles. Well, kids... 
that's kind of what adults do with things called retirement accounts, with things called careers, with things called their stuff, their pleasure. And Jesus is saying to this rich young ruler, let it go. And he leaves sad. And Jesus says, oh, how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And Peter, in verse 28, looks at Jesus. And he says, look, we have left everything and followed you. You know what Peter's saying? Jesus, we did that. Remember when we dropped our nets, we left our father's fishing business, and we followed you? Like, we did that. We did what this rich young ruler would not do. And look at what Jesus says to him, verse 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses brothers and sisters mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come but many who are first will be last and the last first here's what jesus is saying to peter peter you did the smart thing you are the one in your right mind Because you let go of what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. That's the good news of the gospel. Let go of that bag of Skittles or whatever it is that you're hanging on to that would be fleeting and gone anyway to gain something that you could never lose for eternity. That's why following Jesus is worth it. You will never out-sacrifice. You will never out-give God. What can't you keep? You can't keep your life. I did a funeral of Frank Kennan yesterday, part of Veritas Church for the last year. I've been coming, he and his wife Shelly and their family. And Monday, he went to be with the Lord. Death is a reality for all of us, right? You can't keep your life, you can't keep your money. You know, there's a saying, there's no trailer hitches on hearse, on a hearse. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? Because you can't take your stuff with you. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, the oil industrialist and one of the most powerful families in American history, the Rockefeller family, when John Rockefeller passed away, uh, someone asked his accountant, uh, how much did he leave? His accountant said, all of it. Isn't that what will be true for all of us? Jesus is inviting us to rethink our lives, and I am inviting you to come with us this year on this journey of losing our lives so that we can find it in Christ. And Jesus, in verse 30, he says, there's, there's two things you can't lose. There are two things you can't lose. I mean, you can't keep your life, but So what is it that you can't lose? Well, he tells Peter in verse 30, eternal life in the age to come. 
Church, this is our blessed hope. This is why we can look at all the suffering in the world and still smile because we know what's coming. We know that this earth is not our final home. We know that our citizenship is in heaven. And Jesus wants to remind Peter, yes, Peter, you left everything to follow me. And guess what? Eternal life makes it worth a man's while, a woman's while, to follow Jesus. Okay, He's, I, I just want to re- read this to you the, from Isaiah 25. I, I just think we need to be reminded of verses like this. Just, just listen to this. Listen to this, Isaiah 25 or 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. How many of you long for that? Just a, a vacation with aged wine, the best of meats, and finest wines. Some of you guys are like, I don't drink wine, I don't like it. You will have eternity to develop your palate and enjoy the wine that God brings us. Verse 7, on this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. That makes my heart want to explode with joy. And Jesus is saying, Peter, yes, there's going to be persecutions. Our hearts ache for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan that are suffering under a cruel Regime under tyranny, under persecution, over death. How do we make sense of all, any of that? How do we make sense of the death that we see around us in this world, the injustice? And people cry out just this week on campus. There were more riots and protests over the injustice in our world, and our hearts ache and grieve with people who are hurting and suffering. How do we make sense of it? We remember what Jesus says yes, persecutions, but This is not our home. Every week, I hope when you come to Veritas, you get another reminder, hey, church, this isn't our home. We are citizens of another country where Jesus rules. Well, the second thing that you cannot lose that Jesus reminds Peter, and this is where I want to land, is this second thing you cannot lose is family. You cannot lose family. What do I mean by this? Peter left his family. The disciples left his family, but Jesus says, you will not fail to receive 100 times more now at this time, brothers and sisters, mothers and children. Here's what Jesus is saying when he's saying this to Peter. Peter, I'm building a family. I'm building a new family for you, a new community. Ever wondered why the Lord's Prayer begins, our Father? It's not my Father, it's our Father, it's plural, it's us. It's our Father. Our Father, Jesus is building a family. When we get saved, 
we become children of God. In 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, it talks about the church as God's household, the pillar and foundation of truth in the world. Paul says that the church is primarily a family. That's what we are. The church is your new family. So yes, you left your biological family. You left the people you were born into, you and to follow Jesus, some of you had to say goodbye, and some of you are know what it's like to have family mock you for you're crazy. What are you thinking? And Jesus gets that and he says, But a new family's coming. The church. John 19. Remember Jesus on the cross. He says to his own mother, Mary, as he's dying, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Even in this moment, Jesus knowing that his mother is going to experience incredible loss, he's reminding them that they are family. You know, we, um, we do church every week, right? And uh, we have worship, we preach the word, but but primarily, Veritas Church is not an event to attend. It's a family to belong to. This is pretty cool, this crowd, but this isn't the coolest thing we have going in Veritas. We have groups that meet around in living rooms, in dorms, meet at a restaurant, meet in a dining room. That's the most exciting thing we have going at Veritas. It's people in relationship with each other. We had a couple, I can't imagine my life uh, without this Veritas family. A couple weeks ago, um, there was a couple that took us out. Older couple in Veritas, Letha and I uh, sitting down with them for dinner and they just, how are you guys doing? How's life? We've shared the last 11 years together and they're asking about our family and of course things are crazy, right? We've got all our kids going through the teen years, and life is crazy. And, uh, you know, the, the wife just said, uh, what time do you need me there tomorrow? And there she was at 8.30 to help out the next day, right? Just jumping in, and how can we love you? How can we serve you? How can we encourage you? We were going through the, the teen years a few years ago, and, and a college student reached out to one of our kids, invited them to their connection group. Our kid was just in high school, and, but pulled, pulled him into their, their connection group at Salt Company. It really changed their life forever. You know, that's what we want to be as a church. I was at the Veritas uh, family meeting, or uh, Austin and Travis and the, the leaders, Alyssa had a, a meeting for, for all the parents, and, and we showed up. Guys, there is an army of young people investing in our children, in our teenagers. I'm just like, I love that. I love that. And I hope yesterday at the funeral, I saw people just serving nonstop. There's a homeschool co-op that just started some, uh, some families that got together and they, they brought meals, filled up that kid's wing with, with food for the family who is grieving. People surrounding them in their time of loss. That, that's what we are. Maybe you've left 
some family, but I hope you will know that when you step into God's family, you gain all these people on this lawn. What an amazing brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers. That's who we are. So let me just end with this thought. What do we do about Jesus' words here? I think the application is simple. Number one, just what are you holding on to that's keeping you from Jesus? What is that bag of Skittles that may be keeping you from following Jesus Christ? It's actually that absurd, (laughs) having your arms stuck on something, your hands stuck on something that's as fleeting as a bag of Skittles. I just invite you this morning to let go and come follow us. Number two, the question of what are you afraid of or what are you anxious about? Because I think you take that fear or that thing that you're afraid of or anxious about and you speak to it. Eternal glory far outweighs anything that I'm suffering in this life. Eternal glory far outweighs this and fix your eyes on heaven and the hope that is to come. And the third question I have for you this morning is, do you know your family? Do you know your family? Our hope is not just that you'll fill a chair or sit on our lawn, but that you'll find a a living room somewhere in a connection group or in a men's or women's group to to find a way of connecting. And, you know, Brian saying that welcome breakfast, we know that we know that we can't force relationships, but our goal is to facilitate them. That's the point of everything that we do here at Veritas is to create an environment that you can connect with Jesus and connect with your church family. That's our heart. That's our desire for you. We hope that you will jump in with us. And we know that relationships take time, right? You can't just throw them in the microwave and show up the first week to something and all of a sudden you've got your best friends, right? No, it it takes sometimes years. And we just encourage you to come, keep showing up, jump in, and uh, follow Jesus with us. That is our heart as a church. That's what we are all about. That's who we are. We're a group of people following Jesus together. So would you pray with me? Jesus, this is a miracle. This is a miracle, this thing, Veritas Church. The people that are here, it is a total miracle. And I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for this thing that you've done. And it's all the promise that you made. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you for that promise. And God, we just pray that you would stir up some hope in this, in our hearts, Lord. Give us a courage and a boldness, a hope and a joy. Lord, I pray that Um, If there's anyone that's come in this morning feeling disconnected, God, that you would just draw them into your family and you you would seek them and find them and just draw them into your family, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And as we worship, we're just, our hearts are full of gratitude and joy. Thank you, Lord.